This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to After the Blockchain Bubble on SiriusXM Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Here again is Kevin Werbeck. Welcome back, everyone, to our special report on blockchain and cryptocurrencies, uh, where they've gone uh, during the bubble and crash and where they're going in the future. Here on Sirius XM Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. Again, I'm Kevin Werbeck, a professor here at Wharton, author of The Blockchain and the New Architecture of Trust. Been having some great conversations with experts giving different perspectives uh, on the opportunities and challenges for blockchain. Uh, I didn't intend it this way, but uh, we're now into lawyer hour uh, in that uh, the last guests all are lawyers, although coming at it from very different uh, angles. Uh, And uh, my next guest is actually the only one who is, uh, like me, uh, a legal scholar that's involved in this area. So I'm delighted to welcome her to the show. Uh, She is Tanya Evans, professor of law at the University of New Hampshire School of Law. Her expertise includes intellectual property, new technologies, entrepreneurship, entertainment, trust in estates, and municipal finance. Uh, And like me, she's been uh, not only writing about this area, but uh, working on developing uh, courses related to blockchain technology. So uh, delighted, uh, Tanya, to have you with us on the show. Thanks so much, Kevin. I'm really happy to join you today and all of the guests. This is a fantastic show, and although I'm biased, uh, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us your story. Um, I'm curious, given the areas of expertise that you have, which are not coming from uh, necessarily uh, securities law or or some of the uh, other areas that that get people into the, the crypto space, what got you excited about this? It's a great question. You know, I know that we all have our own kind of rabbit hole moments, and uh, I've spent about the last 18 months completely and totally immersed, first personally just being interested as uh, – I call myself tech-adjacent. So I grew up as – my mom's a patent attorney, my dad's a doctor, and I was very creative and very athletic. Uh, and so I've kind of stumbled into a complete love and adoration for – the legal implications of technology, and that's what I actually spend most of my time uh, writing, speaking, and teaching about. Uh, a friend of mine was working in um, a blockchain group and kept talking about all the things that she was involved in, and I kind of wanted to kick the tires from a cryptocurrency point of view, and then everything that I see in the world, uh, I reflect back to what does it mean for my students, what does it mean in terms of educating the next wave of lawyers. And in order to be able to do that and knowing how um, interdisciplinary uh, distributed ledger technology, blockchain technology is, that we all, regardless of the discipline or the area that we focus on as educators, we have to be mindful of the implications of it in a particular field. My field, my primary field is intellectual property, uh, copyright in particular. Uh, And then one bit of information led to 10 YouTube videos that led to 15 articles that led to me talking about it day and night. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak out in Bangkok, uh, helping to educate some attorneys out there about basically blockchain 101. And each presentation led to um, 100,000 miles later, literally this year, uh, I've been speaking everywhere uh, really about the implications uh, in IP, but also educating educators about blockchain. And how does IP, in your view, and and copyright come together with blockchain? Because the underlying um, 
technology or the, the software code is capable of being copyright protected and also protected via patent law. It's important for people to understand the uh, intellectual property implications. Much of it is open source and necessarily so because of the issues of interoperability. And that's when we're building that uh, initial layer, it's critically important. Uh, but then you have that middle layer and people start to build out what is proprietary. And even at the, uh, the, the more fundamental or layer one, there are certainly projects out there that uh, move forward with the uh, intention of, of having proprietary interest in their foundation. Uh, but the nature of software uh, requires at some level that it be open source. The question becomes, when you have someone building a decentralized app or some other, um, you know, BAS or some other service, and they have the intention of um, asserting some proprietary interest, whether that's possible given the uh, quid pro quo, if you will, about the uh, uh, the various licenses that says you are allowed to use this as long as you keep it open. So what is the bridge? I get a lot of calls about the bridge between that open source um, mm. uh, beginning of most iterations of, of the various blockchains and what happens when someone wants to bridge the, the divide from a proprietary aspect. Uh, there's something that comes up on the trademark side as well. I don't have any answers to it, but the question, particularly from newbies and novices that enter the space, uh, the consequences of not knowing whether you are attempting to transfer um, Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or yeah. the various iterations of Bcash now what that means. And once you've done it, you've lost it. Uh, but nobody's out there. Well, there are plenty of people out there registering trademarks, but none <laughs> really that uh, um, has any control over the likelihood of confusion, let alone actual confusion that happens in the space. And so those are some concerns as well. Yeah, it's fascinating examples of, of the conflict between legal structures that just assume centralization just because you've, you've got to attribute ownership uh, somewhere and, and these structures that are decentralized. Right. Correct. Correct. So, uh, it, and that has, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, so I, I wanted to ask about the, the other aspect that, I, as I said, you're, as I understand, developing a, a certificate program in this area and, and you know, ask you, you know, why, why you think students should study this field, given, first of all, how fast changing it is, and second of all, the, the persistent questions about, well, is this just, just a fad? This was just a bubble. It's all going to go away. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely here to stay. And even if it were to go away, this is where we are now. And so I want my students, both the, on the JD side and uh, our certificate program at, at UNH Law is online and it's non-JD. So the ideal uh, candidate or participant would be someone who is already an attorney or in finance or in education or some other area and needs to know more. Uh, it's also for business people who have to ask the question because, of course, not every <laughs> database structure needs to transition to some type of distributed system, uh, but they need to be able to have that conversation. They have customers. They have clients. And so the idea is – and also everybody's not going to come to lovely New Hampshire. I don't know why, but <laughs> it's, we have to prepare ourselves for the possibility. This time of year so especially, wanted, right? <laughs> right. This time of year especially. Uh, especially so to be able to create this suite of courses of what are the core ideas we have uh, I teach blockchain and the law the survey course we have crypto economics and blockchain governance by uh, Tom Doty we have token economics and crypto regulations uh, by uh, Maureen um, Marat and, and Samson Williams data security and privacy which is 
extremely popular. The enrollment is very, very impressive, Jason Civilari, and then a bunch of electives. And we feel like that would be the core component, both on the non-JD side. My students can certainly take it as well. But you have to be prepared not just for now but for the future and to be able to have those conversations. Um, the practice of law, as you know, part of the competency is in technological competencies as well. So it's critically important for law, uh, law students uh, in particular. Yeah, what, what gets the, the law students or, or the practitioners today interested in feeling like this is something that I need to develop expertise on? When I think of the uh, sweet spot of who's going to be most marketable, I think of someone who has a ground, a solid grounding in the law, but also can see the business aspects. We kind of mentioned that a bit with the IP. That, you know, There's the law, as you know, and then there's the business implication, and they don't always meet. You have to be able to have that conversation. I'm participating um, in the IP working group uh, for the Accord project, not the uh, main part of the project, but IP attorneys kicking around, what are the contracts we use? How can we reduce some parts of these, the objective parts, to ones and zeros and smart contracts? I need my students to be able to participate in that, and they're going to be highly marketable and add value because at the end of the day, they're problem solvers, and they need to be able to anticipate the problems and be um, situated uh, in order to solve them. Have you seen a change in, in interest or attitude uh, over the past year as uh, we've gone into this bear market for cryptocurrencies? It's a great question. And I also, I love the fact that you've titled this the blockchain bubble and not the Bitcoin or cryptocurrency bubble, because that is an interesting part of it, right? That there are these, there's this bust and boom, not only on the crypto side, but also for development and building. Although I see a lot of building still going forward. I think it's the real hardcore people are still at it doing what needs to be done. Uh, but I haven't, um, I haven't seen a flow of enthusiasm for what it is. My, the questions are more on the blockchain side than on the cryptocurrency side. Or is it time to get in? I'm not a financial advisor at all. But people are still very curious. Uh, and so that still makes it exciting uh, uh, from a blockchain perspective and from an educator's perspective. And how do you see things going from here? Do, you know, what, are, what are some of the, the key um, additional legal issues that you think we're, we're going to need to wrestle with uh, in the next couple of years? I know Marco's coming up some, and <laughs> his uh, area is where it's really most interesting. Um, I think the out, outside of and apart from the obvious uh, regulatory issues and concerns, for, particularly here in the States, but uh, everywhere, uh, given the, nat the borderless nature of the technology, uh, when we're going to continue to see enforcement, uh, I, it sounds like we also have guidance from the SEC, CFTC, other uh, branches as there's kind of this um, jockeying for position of uh, regulatory issues. I see, uh, particularly in my area, uh, governments taking a, a, a harder look at uh, reducing inefficiencies in the delivery of governmental services. I just presented at Blockland in Cleveland, and Cleveland is doing some amazing yeah. work. Uh, I was really, really excited about the level of enthusiasm and engagement, uh, uh, private, public, uh, educators coming to the table. And so I see governments moving to um, – move property records and deaths and birth certificates and things of that nature. Um, on the education side, there are a lot of inefficiencies that we could solve for as well. So for, for our um, certificate program, we're looking to issue our 
transcripts on chain and verification on chain. So we want to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk and really integrate technology in that way as well. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, we have to move on. This has been great, and I was really uh, uh, pleased to have you on the show. Uh, Tanya Evans from the University of New Hampshire School of Law, thanks again for joining us uh, on the program. Thanks so much. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 